Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Roll that beautiful bean footage. What's up, everyone? Father Nathan. And Father Mike here, putting on my headphones, getting ready. He's Podcasting, get... podcasting. Welcome back. We are in the final days of Advent, before the great uh, feast of the Incarnation. Yes, the little baby Jesus coming your way. One year ago, uh, one year ago, I think to the day we were at uh, the uh, uh, the site of the Nativity uh, in Bethlehem, and um, I uh, we were on pilgrimage with um, uh, LP Pilgrimage, Latin Patriarch Pilgrimage. Shout out to Leanne Brand. Um, and um, who was on this pilgrimage? Is it a parish thing? Yeah, it was uh, Father uh, Father Matt Book. He took prisoners from Light of the World. I took prisoners oh, from that's right. um, from uh, uh, Joan of Arc and some family members and some other scattered uh, folk, and it was awesome. We had such a great time. Um, but when the when the moment came for me to actually to actually uh, venerate the um, the place of the incarnation, it's kind of like in this star. This bronze star. That's right. And then there's a hole in the ground um, where you like reach down and there's like a rock, I guess like the original rock that was there or whatever. Um, as I was going down my bag, I was, you know, wearing one of these like uh, Benedictine College uh, like satchels, like what, you know what I'm talking about, those mesh bags. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, as I leaned down, the bag came forward and hit my head. And then I snapped back and rocked my head on one of those uh, oil lamps. Oh, no. So it looked pretty ridiculous, you know. You're like that clumsy shepherd. I was. They were like, all right, you, <laughs> was, yeah, you, you're out of here. Because they were kind of like, they were kind of like, like, hurry up and do it, hurry up and do it, hurry up and do it. And so I was trying to do it reverently, but also like to ponder the moment of like, this is the place where Christ was born. And, um, jokes so, on you, jokes on you, you know, <laughs> Jesus is just like, Hey, just move out of the way. So, uh, that's a, it's not a real big chapel. So you do have to kind of yeah get in, get out. Right. Is it the, do you have to like crouch down and you do? Yeah. Oh my gosh. We had this one lady. Uh, she, uh, <laughs> she said her name is Leanne. Uh, she goes, uh, we told her about the door that, um, that uh, you have to crouch down in order to get in. It's kind of a smaller yeah, door on the outside of the to kind of demonstrate yeah. like you have to be you have to be small, you know, in order to enter, you know, into the place of of Christ's birth. You know, only the children. And uh, she got a, this look on her face because she's you know, God bless her, she's a bigger gal. And uh, she says to me, she goes, Father, if I can't fit through that door, I want you to just push me like Pooh Bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Pooh and Bear. she was just fine. <laughs> Oh, I've got I've got a great picture what of her. Pooh Bear gets stuck in those those tree holes trying exactly. to get honey. Yeah, <laughs> so she said, "Just push me through like Pooh Bear." Oh, good. Leanne Kerner, what a what a beautiful soul. Oh my gosh, and she lady. made it in. She made it in just fine. She she was great. So, um, you know, shout out to all the red bus, blue bus. Uh, we had a great time, and uh, uh, if you're if you're interested in going on pilgrimage. I would highly recommend Latin Patriarch pilgrimages. Um, I know right now with COVID, a lot of people are uh, not exactly thinking about traveling anywhere, going abroad. But um, we had we had such an amazing time. So now is that is that a company or is that like just 
It's the, the it, local Franciscans. It's a tour company. Okay. It's a tour company. Um, they run it through the the Roman Catholic Church of of uh, of Jerusalem of yep. Latin Patriarch. So um, the Latin Patriarch, his name is Pizzabala, which is a, another. We were talking about names the other day. If you're looking for a name for a dog, Pizzabala. Pizzabala. And uh, so um, he's the Archbishop over there. You know, they just. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, but there was an arson. Uh, an arsonist tried to set fire to the Church of the Gethsemane. Oh no! Really? Yeah, yeah, just last week. What do they call that Church of All Nations? Is that, that the one? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, that's that's sad. Yeah. So, anyway, so then uh, all their all their proceeds go back to support uh, the um, the people uh, of the Holy Land, um, the Christians in the Holy Land. They make up, I think, less than one or two percent of the population of the Holy Land. So they want to continue to encourage them. You that's know, great in, in their presence there. So. Um, I don't know if I guess all their proceeds, but I mean a, a sizable majority of their proceeds go to support that. So, um, if you want to check it out, Latin Patriarch Pilgrimages. They had um, there was a, like a dramatic shift in the last um, I don't know few decades where Bethlehem went some ninety ten, like ninety percent Christian, to flipping it entirely to ten percent Christian, ninety hmm. percent of. Uh, I think it's mostly Muslim, but Palestinian. I think they have a hard time maintaining jobs there. Um, I think that the employment of Christians over there is is minimal. So, oh yeah, so. and it, the, the, when the wall went up with Jerusalem, it's a lot harder to get jobs in um, yeah. on the the Israeli side, and uh, so that did squeeze out a lot of you know possibility there. Yeah, and the seminaries on that side in Bethlehem, we had a great. Like we had some kind of processions with the seminarians over mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. and it was fascinating. Where wonderful. did you stay when you were over there? I lived just across. Do you, do you remember where the King David Hotel is? Do you know where that was? So you have the Jaffa Gate, and then you go yes the Valley of Gehenna, uh-huh. and um, across from that is the King David Hotel. It's a famous hotel. It was part of the uh, Israeli uprising, and um, it's just like a, a nice site. Um, there's some Herodian tombs just below there, so it's yes. kind of yeah. an archaeological um, area as well. And across from that is the Jesuit house. Okay. And it's been there for I don't know, a century. It's uh, real old, and um, I so I stayed at that Jesuit house there. Yeah. And it was just a small community there, and I was one of three students who was there Man. studying archaeology, and I was attending the school across at um, St. Stephen's Church. It's where he was tried. Yes. And uh, uh-huh. there's uh, the Ecole Biblique, uh, Dominican yes. House uh-huh. of uh, Archaeology, Biblical Archaeology Studies. So that's where I was on daily, and then I stayed at the Jesuit place. Is that near the Via Crucis? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the stops on the Via Crucis. We were right in the courtyard. And I thought that that's where they said where he was tried, like nearby, you know. Well, it's probably not that one then. There are a couple different St. Stephen sites. Um, even just outside the Lion's Gate is another one where I think he was stoned there. I, I can't remember which one is which. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so you you were in Bethlehem. That's got to be cool right now. Oh, like this, ki- this time of year. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was special. Um, and I, I, people say like, they've asked me recently, they're like, if you could go back to anywhere in the world, you know, where would you go? And it's like, it's hard not to say Italy, 
you know, because it's just so beautiful. It the is. The culture, the people, the food, you know, the sights, the saints, all of that. But truly, like, I, I, I didn't think that it would happen as profoundly as it did. But it's like, once you walk where Jesus walked, you know, one of the things that our tour guide said was, Jesus spent 30 years in the town of Nazareth. So, like, you're going to the place where he spent the majority of his life. He's like, how can you say that another place is more spectacular? Now, of course he's going to say that. I mean, he's a tour guide for for Israel. It's not like he's going to promote tourism to Greece or something. But, like, I mean, it really does, like, have a, a profound impact. And, um, you know, I, I think there is a reason why for centuries Christians wanted the opportunity to be able to witness, you know, the place where Jesus was. Oh, yeah. Well, since the beginning. It's just, if there's any special place in the world you know, for us. And um, I have a good memory of, since it, it's almost snowing outside, it's getting cold again. And uh, I remember, I don't know if I've told you this, but um, I, I, it snowed pretty hard one time when I was over there. Hmm. And um, there were maybe, I don't know, four inches sitting on the ground. Whoa. And yeah, so I go across and the city, whole city is quiet because that's unusual, you know. But it kind of shuts things down. And I go over there um, by the uh, Herod's Palace kind of area of the Jaffa Gate. And as I'm going in, because I wanted to get to the Holy Sepulcher, um, there was this snowball fight that was going on. Hmm. Pretty epic snowball fight just on this uh, in, inner courtyard. And there's shops surrounding it and everything. And But everything's closed down. But it was a bunch of kids who were out there just throwing snowballs at each other. And I realized... I was kind of watching it and then getting involved and throwing snowballs and stuff. And I realized that you had um, you had these different groups of kids. And it was like the, the Hasidic Jew kids mm. over here mm-hmm. and the Muslim kids over here and the Christian kids over here. And there was all big snowball fight. And, of course, it's a, it's a tragic place because of the animosity between these yeah. you know, various peoples throughout history. But I found it almost like poetic and beautiful to be involved in this sort of playful kind right. of. Um, it was a game, you know, and it was it was kind of a a battle as a snowball fight is. But it was like, you know, this kind of joy of being together, and um, I. It was just a. It was a great memory, you yeah. know, of, of things coming together in a place where they should, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, and it was a surprise to me because I didn't know it snowed where Jesus lived. Yeah, and, and isn't there a passage in the scriptures where it talks about like it was winter when he was walking among Solomon's porticos or something like yeah. that? Like, and you can just feel like the chill in the air and the 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 snow kind of falling. Um, yeah, and I mean, even like when we went, obviously it was December, um, but I mean, there it wasn't exactly. It was brisk. I mean, we yeah. were bundled up. And uh, you just don't think about that often, you know, in the Holy Land. And yet, like, around Christmas time, you know, when we think about them being born in the stable, it's not like, it's not like it was, you know, a balmy 75. Right. You know? Palm trees. There yeah. are palm trees there, but... No, it's hot in the summer, but it can get, it can get pretty chilly. Yeah. Like the dew that falls on Herman. So, anyways... Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have those, you know, one-year markers and then Google Photos, you know, says, this is what you were doing a year ago. So, uh, you know, three years ago, I was picking out my tree with my niece, Hannah, um, and uh, 
and so you know it's just nice to have these memories where you're like that's what it's about i should go into i never deep dive those pictures i gotta get back into that oh from the holy land well no just like one year ago you know yeah two years ago my brother's really good at it uh he'll he'll say this is what was going on a year ago he'll send it to me so um i just don't i mean i i don't i'm i I, it's kind of similar to you're sentimental though I am. I am. But uh, the weird thing is with pictures, I just don't, I don't like go back to it like frequently. It's like, oh, I took that picture and then I forget about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I'm the same way. I think I've gone on probably three trips and I'm like, oh yeah, I should show my family these pictures. But then I just don't do it. Like I don't show them like, hey, this is what it was like to be in Africa or, you know, here's what, what the Holy Land was like. Of course they were there. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, some of that stuff, I don't know. I, I haven't even printed my pictures for my ordination. So, oops. Pictures. That's right. So, uh, today we're going to do a little quick hitter um, on uh, Advent preparation uh, for the coming of the king. Oh, yeah. So. Um, Don your purple. I talked, to, um, I talked to Father Chris, my parochial vicar, uh, like four hours before uh, Advent, and I said, hey, uh, we need to figure out. Uh, we need to figure out a preaching series for Advent because it's such a short time that you can actually really flow well, like the, the weeks kind of mold together, um, that if, if you prepare them well over that short period of time, they can actually have a really fruitful um, Christmas because like you've, you've preached consecutively and it seems like the weeks in Advent fly by a little quicker than Lent. Maybe that's because people aren't as interested in, in fasting and uh, it's, it's less time. You know, it's only 28 days or, you know, 35 days or something like that. Um, but uh, people get the opportunity to actually really focus on, okay, what, what do we want to do? You know, what do we want, how do we want to prepare? Um, so, um, so I talked to Father Chris about it and I, and I just said, um, it'd be nice if we could, you know, do kind of a series. So we, we talked a little bit about it and then just, I said, let's just look at the readings. So uh, now we're in the, the Gospel of Mark. Um, uh, year B is the, is the year of Mark. Not yeah. all of the readings are from Mark, um, but we're going to hear more from Mark throughout the year. But as, as you look at it, the way that the, what I eventually kind of came to was, Advent is a great time to renew our senses to appreciate more the coming of Christ. So oftentimes our senses are deadened or dull because we're thinking about all these other things. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to say like, hey, sharpen up, you know, awaken, awaken your senses. Um, You know, God is on the move. And at Christmas, we're actually saying, oh, come, let us adore him. And adoration is not just of the mind, um, it's a full body experience. And uh, when you adore, you're adoring with your eyes, you, you look upon him, you, you hear his voice, you hear, you know, the, the child's cry, um, you smell uh, different things. And so I just want to kind of go through like just the different weeks and just kind of say, hey, here's what we've learned, uh, here's where we're going, and here's uh, what I would suggest for coming Christmas. Okay. Nice. Well, I have this. I don't. This is the annoying teacher in me. A teaching moment. The uh, when he refers to uh, cycle B. Mm-hmm. There, the church has uh, presents the different gospels in three different years. Um, 
last year we used Matthew's gospel. This year, year B is Mark's. Next year we'll focus on Luke's gospel throughout throughout the liturgical year. So throughout the year, especially in the the weeks of ordinary time, you're kind of walking through these gospels. Right. And then John's gospel is peppered in kind of all over the place. John finds his most kind of uh, profound place in the midst of uh, the Passion Week mm-hmm. and uh, the weeks after Easter, because if you look at if you look at John's Gospel, um, from what is it, chapter thirteen through nineteen, that's all the Last Supper discourse. Yeah, maybe it's eighteen, um, and then the previous ones are like the prologue. That's chapter one. We're going to hear that at Christmas, um, and then you know you have some miracles go on, and those are kind of sprinkled in between, but then like his, his most profound eyewitness testimony is the passion. And so we read the passion narrative from John, I think on Good Friday. Is that right? Every year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think every year I think that's on, right, on Good yeah. Friday, it's, it's from John. And then you have um, some that are particular to the RCIA preparation. Mm-hmm. Some of the particular stories, I think the man born blind and the Samaritan Lazarus woman and Samaritan woman. Right. So anyway, that's how that, that cycle goes. Now I wanted to ask you about this with the preaching in Advent. For some reason I had thought that it was customary to preach the last things. It is. During Advent? Because then someone else told me more recently when I brought that up that no, that's like what you do before Christ the King. Sunday. It's spo- well kind of marks the eschatological end. Last, you know, the return yeah, of the king. Last things are supposed to be yes at the end of the liturgical year, but it is supposed to hearken his second coming, which is one of the last things, if not you know the last thing of time. So you uh, think it can be good for Advent? Prep? Are you talking about death, judgment, heaven, and hell? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I would say that's. That's ordinarily preached at the end of ordinary time, not an Advent. Okay, well, Advent is the encounter with the the Advent of our King. That's the song. The Advent of our King, our thoughts must now employ. So let us meet Him on the road with songs of holy joy. So we are preparing ourselves. We're preparing Him room, and we're trying to awaken in ourselves uh, an availability to be able to see and to perceive, you know, the Lord when He comes. So the first week, the first week, as I kind of looked at it, was it's all about behold. Yep. It's all about looking for, you know, see our God. You know, He comes to save us. So you you have to be able to look uh, with the Lord with with eyes refreshed. And there's a lot of reasons why people don't see. There is ordinary blindness, you know, which is a which is a, a deprivation. But there is spiritual blindness, and I think a lot of people they don't see God. Because they're looking at something else. They got their face in their screens. They got their face in their newspapers. They're looking at the signs of the times. Instead of looking for where is the Lord coming and how is he going to come? And if, if I told you, behold, you got to look around. You got to look, look up. And the Lord, the Lord is promised that he's, that he's coming to us. So um, Yeah, what does that gospel ends with? I say to you, watch. Yes. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. Watch. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I've been really enjoying the, um, I guess, to, to the end that you're talking about, I've been enjoying the imagery in Isaiah. 
Yes. You know, it's very like visceral. He's talking about things. Just today, I, that's the example that comes to mind, is um, that the, uh, the, the, the person languish, languishes and, uh, in thirst in the desert, mm-hmm. with thirst in the desert. And God says, but I will take care of this. And he says, I will flood the valleys the with marsh- water. And yes. I will set out torrents of water and I will turn all of the wasteland into um, lush gardens and paradise. And it was, um, yeah, I mean, it's that, it's that you expect just to be satisfied this little way. And I've got this huge vision of a paradise to give to you, you know, of grace, this huge outpouring of grace. And, um, and that's just one of the many, many images that Isaiah gives too. Like our expectations are so limited mm-hmm. and so small, but God has these great, great things in mind, and all you have to do is like open your eyes. Ex- you know? Essentially, what you're saying is expand your spiritual vision. Don't just constrict your vision down to it's. It's going to have to be this thing. A lot of times in Christmas, it's like, what do you want for your wish list? You ask for the gift, you receive the gift. You know, like you only get what you ask for. But like, ask greedily. I tell that to married couples, like on the day of their wedding, like ask greedily from the Lord, what is it that you want to ask for? Most importantly, and also the kids that are receiving confirmation right now, it's like, what do you want to ask for? And parents, what do you want to ask for for your kids? And I'm amazed sometimes whenever it's like, okay, like, uh, let's just take a moment and uh, what are the intentions of your heart? And people just can't, they can't dream. They can't envision like anything more. And it's, do you think if you gave them a few minutes just to sit? Oh, yeah. Because that makes a difference for me. I'm not good on the spot. You ask, like, okay, well, what are your deep hopes or whatever? But if the question is posed and then I sit for a while, some things start to kind of come up. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, I have been really, really trying to press people to, to contemplative prayer. Spend time... Not just be quiet because we have too much noise in our life. Yeah, fine. That's true. But um, with, with the real um, potential to kind of explore your hopes and desires. Um, of, because that's, that's, in my mind, what this, what this time is about, about Advent. And this is what the prophet Isaiah is really working on, is that our life in exile and far from God and uh, um, like uh, suffering the consequences of our own selfishness and Mm. abandonment of God and sin has left us dry and dead and sad and dark. And um, what do you want? You know, what could you hope for? And not even knowing that the, the amazing surprises that God has in store even to just have that little desire, and like you're saying, like demand things, you know, really, um, Hebrew says, you know, uh, with courage, approach the throne of grace, boldness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think that's true even in the Advent season to actually say, Lord, I ask for this gift for Christmas, and, and really believe, like, if you're asking for hope, or you're asking for, you know, perseverance, that God will grant you that grace in his time. 
and uh, you know, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock yeah. and the door will be open. So I, I, I think that there is a way in which like ask greedily, expand well, your vision. Book. I remember Father Matt Book told me he we were ordained together, and he told me think of a particular grace. I think it was from him. Think of a particular grace you want to ask for on the day of your ordination. Mm-hmm. And I had to pray about that and think about that. I never even yeah. thought to do that. And asking for that grace has made... Uh, ten years later, I remember that. And I've watched the, gra- the grace unfold. Wow. And be given over and over. And, um, and I think with proper preparation and expectation, that's, that is like what you're saying, is ask, ask at Christmas. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a privilege that God has given us, you know, to be able, as children, as its children, to be able to ask. And that, <laughs> demanding is kind of a pushy word, but almost, I, I think expectation has that feel to it, that connotation. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's kind of first week, you know, just kind of expanding our sight. Second week was uh, all about listening, you know. Um, you know, the Lord speaks of peace to his people. And then a voice crying out in the desert, you know, prepare the way of the Lord. So are we, are we capable of listening? Are we capable of hearing the Lord when he calls? Um, and what is it that he's asking of us? Sometimes we already have an idea of this is what he's going to say. You know, the, the phone call comes in, you see the caller ID. It's like, ah, oh, this is what this person's calling about. You know, I felt kind of bad because, you know, uh, my mom called. I haven't given her my wish list yet. She texted me, you know, give me your wish list. Give me what you want for Christmas. You know, and then she called and I was like, oh gosh, mom's calling for my wish list. And I called her back and she's like, yeah, I was just driving home from work. Wanted to see how you're doing. And I was like, I, I already thought that I knew what you were going to say, but I, I'm a, I wasn't even ready to listen. Listening, yeah. So I, I would say in Advent, it's a great opportunity for us to refresh our capacity for hearing the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't know what you have in store. I don't know what you want to say, but I, but I hear, you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord is the Lord, uh, the Lord alone. Um, the Lord is God, the Lord alone. Um, and so uh, part of the being the new Israel is we want to be able to hear the Lord when he comes and to be able to hearken to his voice, behold the bridegroom, you know, go out to meet him because the bridegroom sings, you know, he's coming to actually bring joy. And, uh, you know, and, and the time of Christmas, you know, there's a lot of bell ringing and, uh, you know, caroling and there's the, the, the sound of music is in the air. And hopefully, like, your heart is uplifted to, I, I want to I prepare not just for the day, but for the event of communion that's possible with him. Yeah. Yeah, the song. That, that was in my mind. This, that second Sunday, you have John the Baptist, like you mentioned. And um, I'm praying for that and praying with that and pray, preparing for preaching and everything. I was really enjoying the image of... John the Baptist dancing in the womb when he hears, yeah. you know, that kind of joy. Like, this mm-hmm. is possible for me. You know, yeah. when Jesus comes again and he speaks, mm-hmm. and I, my heart can just totally, like, welcome him in that surprise and, um, and have that kind of dance for joy. And there's a, wow. there's a line in the preface. It's the second preface of Advent. There's two. And um, the one, the one that I'm speaking of, the second one is um, supposed to be just during the 
after December 16. Mm-hmm. Is that it? 17, 16, yeah, something 17. like that. Um, but it says, John the Baptist, um, it talks about John and Mary. Mary loved him with love beyond all telling. And I love that. That line is beautiful. And then uh, John sang of his coming and then proclaimed him when he came. Right. And, um, and so just that image of John receiving the song of Mary hmm. and dancing to it when he was in the womb mm-hmm. and then being so inspired that his whole life is singing the coming of the yeah. king, singing the coming of the promised one. Yeah. So beautiful too, because uh, I didn't really make that connection, but it's like uh, Elizabeth, you know, John's mother says, for at the sound of your greeting, you know, the infant of in my womb left for joy at the sound of your greeting, yeah. you know, at, at the moment of your greeting, like that our, our lady, elicits from us this delight and uh we rejoice you know our salvation is so near and uh and even when you know when listening it's like this wasn't the voice of jesus this was the voice of mary and who's has jesus inside of her in, in the, yes. that permeated with grace and that i i gives me the impression and the hope that we can um, we can hear the voice of God communicated through a lot of different things mm-hmm. wherever the grace of God is hidden, you know. And it's not always like as as obvious as you know. I see Jesus there. I see God in this thing. And now, like I'm at church, and then I'm expecting to hear God. Yeah. But in all kinds of other circumstances, you know, where uh, God hides Himself, you know, and then speaks. So. Yeah, open the ears, listen. Yeah, yep. So um, at some point, uh, you know, because we have uh, you know three more weeks left, um, you know, the the word is going to be, you know, on that mountain, uh, the Lord provides uh, for His people, you know, a, a feast of rich food, you know, juicy rich food and choice wines, and uh, you know, to taste the goodness of the Lord. And sometimes in, in, in Christmas time, it's like, oh my gosh, more sweets, more chocolates, more whatever. It's probably your worst nightmare. If you want to come over, I... Who did this... This lady just gave me a... Oh, come on. What's a Yule log? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was this little chocolate, I don't know, thing she gave me today. Is that it? Uh, I don't know about a Yule log, but I thought the Yule log was like that uh, spice bread. That's rolled up. Yeah. All right. That's not you. <laughs> anyway, I'm starting to get the confectionery. But I've got I've got some summer sausage. If you want to trade, you know, like any of these things, you know, for some savories. But the the the, the way in which we we look at Christmas isn't just I want to fill myself with these treats. You know, this little kid Luke. Um, he came up to me once because he knew that I kept getting all these gifts from people, and he said. Treats, <laughs> sweets, because he wanted me to give him some. Yeah, you know? give him some of them sweets. Yeah, and and I was like, I I certainly want to give good gifts, you know, to the to the people that ask, little Luke Sawaya, and um, but uh, there's also a way in which we want to open, you know, open your mouth and I will fill it. The Lord wants mm. to fill us, um, and uh, there are spiritual gifts and graces, real appreciable. How do I say it? Um, sensible uh, uh, things to appreciate, goods that the Lord wants to impart, 
But if you have your mouth full of other things, it's hard. It's hard to just prepare yourself. And that's where I think there is a joy in Advent in not satisfying and slaking your thirst for every creaturely comfort. Even like, you know, when, you know, my mom asks me for my wish list, it's like, mom, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, be more available to my people. You know, I'm not trying to say like, well, I need this, I need this. But then she, she was like, yeah, but I'm also going to make a donation in your name to the, you know, charity of your choice. And I'm like, that's beautiful. You know? So what are the gifts? What are the, what are the sensible goods that you actually want to say, I don't necessarily want this for myself. I want this for others. Mm. You know, we used to put up these banners that just said peace on earth. That's what we want. What, what do people want? They want peace on earth. And given everything that's going on, um, I think that a lot of people are begging the Lord, you know, um, yeah, uh, chocolate, water, uh, wine, you know, all these sensible goods, sure. But like, what about these appreciable, I don't even know if that's a word, these goods that we should appreciate. And what about them? Justice and mercy and, Mm. you know, the weightier goods that Jesus talks about. Are we are we are we ready to actually have the the palate that is able to say I want those as well? Mm. I want to I want to feast with all of those different componentries. So, yeah, that's a cool thought. Do you have any suggestions on how to prepare the palate? I like that one about sort of being intentional about giving of uh that because that really does make you think like what would i want to give like what do i care about what is grace what is yeah um i think one of the easiest ways to appreciate the goods that you have and to even like think about well what is it that other people don't have that i you know i don't even ponder is by going to catholic charities or going to a saint vincent de paul or going to, you know, like some place to serve and just saying like, what are the needs that they have? What are the things that they are asking for right now? Um, I asked the missionaries of charity, I said, what do you need right now? And they said, nothing, Father. I said, what do the poor need right now? And they said, honestly, we need bodies uh, because uh, we have a lot of goods that people are donating to us, but we need people that are actually willing to go give them out. Wow, and huh. so they asked, they're like, do you know of anybody who'd be willing to go give Christmas boxes on Christmas Day? I said, no, but I can ask. Wow. You know? Yeah, cool. So instead of just like, they want your goods, like they want you. They want you to actually be present to them. You are a good. Your presence, your life, your joy, your faith. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So that's an idea. Um, taste is kind of a difficult one, you know, the last two, uh, touch and smell is what I was going, I'm going to combine for my Christmas homily Ah. because that's, that's the epicenter of, of, um, the, the crash, you know, Jesus is born in a stable. If you go into a stable, it's not a, it's not a, you know, perfumed place. Exactly. When I used to walk into my, the, the stable or, you know, like the, the feed lot at my, you know, grandpa's uh, farm, it's like, 
That's where the cow pies are. That's where the turkey is. And the turkey was mean. Like, the turkey, the turkey was mean. I would have to... Did you run from the turkey? I, I like this. Oh, thing. my gosh. Like that thing, thing was so mean. And, uh, um, like, some of the straw was, like, not exactly fresh. Yeah. You know? It's mildewy and yeah. soggy. And, and the, the smell hits you. Mm. Um, but then there is a, a smell of a child. Like, a newborn baby yeah. has mm-hmm. a particular smell. Like, you know, you just had your... Yeah, it's weird. Is it crazy? You're drawn to it. Right. You know, because it's beautiful, but it's so unique. And I don't know. It's not like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like a very subtle sweetness. Yes. There's a, there's a human smell. And there's a human baby smell. Mm-hmm. And like God is mixing these, these two worlds together. And he's saying like, I want to enter into this. The incarnation isn't just I'm born in the, you know, Rose Medical Center. I'm born into history. Mm. And history is poop. Yeah, the world. The world. The animals, the people, the Yes. The hay, the Yeah. The 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 fact that there's nowhere to there's nowhere to 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 be there's no place for him. You know? Um and but he ultimately like he allows us to touch him and and like there is a joy in actually being able to touch certain things i just remember in the children's museum um you know back in you know my grade school days or whatever going down to st louis and they had these huge exhibits where you just got to touch different things you know like that big magnetic ball where you know it's like oh, that yeah, big that makes orb. your hair stand up yeah like, do you, there's that feeling of, like, I'm, I'm touching this. You know, I'm interacting with this. Yeah. This is having an effect on me, and I'm also having an effect on it. Um, so... I think when I touched a gator for the first time, oh, that was gosh. so unique. It's memorable. Oh. But maybe a better one is... I, and I was talking That's about That's a pretty good one. On the last... Father Mike wrestled gators, if you didn't know this. On the last podcast, I was talking about uh, holding my my uh, newborn niece and uh just how it it puts a smile on your face you can't take it off your face yes because it's so happy and i don't i can't even explain it i don't know why but it's the warmth of the baby the fragility the the how cute they are how fascinating the whole thing is and uh that smell that just the presence of the child is so wonderful and you pass the pass the baby around everybody's got the same smile yeah so but that's the god that's the god that's coming to us you know the god that actually will have a poopy diaper i mean it's fascinating like i don't know if you've seen parents do this where they flip the baby upside down and just sniff right sniff the butt sniff the butt and they're like oh gosh yep here we go yeah you know and i'm like (laughs) that was god like for for however many years before he was potty trained, like yeah, he was he knew you know wisdom or right from wrong before he was you know eating curds and whatever whatever the the passages from Isaiah. But it's like yeah, and he still had poopy diapers. Crazy, yeah, just absolutely crazy. The incarnation and, cr- and cried you know? and cried. They make that weird squeak. That's like also it's so instinctual and primal that we can't we have to respond to it and. Um, yeah, it's it it is the great mystery. I mean, I think that we bow when we talk about the incarnation in the creed because it really is 
Yeah. It's such like a, it's Good almost point. like such a, a dream, like wishful thinking or something. And the fact that it happened is just, it's amazing. Yes. And to even draw near to that mystery um, mentally and then even better, all these physical ways that you're talking about is, um, it's a huge privilege and it's uh, powerful and it's saving and it's um, just so real and it makes you, uh, there's a certain dignity communicate. I feel very noble being connected to that reality because mm-hmm. you know, it's so unique in history and so important and, and beautiful. And I mean, accessible. Just, yeah, but it's just right there, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, so, I, th- and I think Catholic life makes it more, more so than, than otherwise. In the mystery of providence and Jesus' plan, to have this sacramental reality mm-hmm. of holding the Eucharist in our hands, you know, or receiving that, you know, um, and even just to be in the presence is, um, it's, it's, um, sensible, you know, but it's, it's the both the so real that it's just plain and also so beyond us that it's delightful and, you know, wondrous. Yeah. It's tactile. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, part of what I'm, what I'm trying to convey is, you know, um, Thomas Aquinas says, uh, whatever is first, whatever is known in the mind is first known through the senses. So in order to appreciate something, it's, it, you actually, it, it's helpful if, if you bring it back through your senses. And uh, something as profound and as lofty and life-changing as the incarnation, well, the incarnate God had senses, and he wasn't just like you know uh, a computer, you know, in the in the you know cranial lobe of the child, and he was running everything from a giant computer. He was experiencing it as a man, and we yeah. can experience things. That barn was the first thing he smelled. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, the, well, the presence of his mother or something yeah. like that, but. Yeah, and you know, I like uh, that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually meditate on Saint Joseph's, you know, old sensation spice. of that Jesus as he's yeah. waking up to the world. I mean, do, do your parents have a certain smell? Yes, they do. I don't know that I could describe it. It's not a particular perfume or something like right. that. Right, but there's something about them that's like that—that's them, you yeah. know, and the familiarity of the person, you know, it. It, it awakens you to, like, a sense of they're here, a yeah. sense of presence. Oh, if I heard a voice, I didn't, wouldn't have to see anybody in the next room if I could heard a voice of some family member, some friends that I've known a long time. But, you know, there is, a, yeah, something very unique that comes through the senses. Right. So, um, to enliven your senses, I, I don't know, you know, how to, uh, you know, Awaken your sense of touch or t- sense of smell short of um, try to identify different things. One of the things that I did the other day was I just started smelling different spices in my cabinet. Like, can I distinguish between thyme and, uh, you know, oregano? Like, what is, th- what is the, the different mm. qualities of that? Um, 
you know, the next time you have a glass of milk or something like, you know, can you actually get your nose into it? Uh, we do that with certain things like, you know, wines and beers and whatever, but like, um, are there certain things, earth, you know, pine needles, like, um, I don't know, like yeah, that you can actually reawaken your, your senses to. So, um, I know this sounds kind of hippie. Um, I, I, I like it though. I think it's that refining of the senses that you're talking about that. Yeah. I mean, call it whatever you want, but it's also like, I think it's just a welcome challenge because I am, I get numb. This is like sensation overload constantly. Com- comfortably numb. And I remember when I was like, say spirituality year in a 30 day retreat, a silent retreat mm, mm-hmm. in the same place things come alive in that quiet and in that simplicity there wasn't like you know social media or anything like that there wasn't any computer use not even phoning outside it was just life every day in that forest and in the chapels and i yeah i mean the whole world was brighter you know i could smell the forest and i could see the birds and i could yeah i mean it does sound hippie doesn't it but uh, feel the sheets you know it was like yeah and and that's that made my prayer different mm-hmm. and i think it, it was reciprocal it was like the way that i was praying happened to have this effect on me but it also was so conducive to meeting god mm-hmm. in prayer and in that place and in that those moments and everything so i'm this is a great challenge for me i don't yeah, I think my my messy life might smell more like a barn than I wanted to, but that'll give me an opportunity to yeah. clean out my car or something. Sure. Yeah, to attune, you know, to to tune in to what is happening around you. You know, the persons, places, experiences, encounters, all of it. Like um I I think that it that it is it is helpful. So, um I don't know when this is coming out. I think it's coming out in the fourth week of Advent. Uh, but you know, as we prepare him room, uh, you know, for the coming of the King, like um, all of creation waits with eager longing for this encounter with with the living Lord Jesus, and um, you know, we're we're standing on the on the brink, you know, just moments away. So just like in the in the symphony, you know, like as you or even in the movie theater, like the lights dim, you know, turn off your phones. Like, you know, put everything away, like, just uh, focus. Allow yourself to receive the impression of, of what is going to happen before you. And then I, I, I think that, you know, people are really going to, they long for this. They didn't get this opportunity with Easter. And I think that there is a reason why people are kind of fighting, you know, the, the culture saying, hey, cancel Christmas. It's like, no, we, we still need this. Mm-hmm. This is a human need. Um, for the encounter with the with the Lord, so um, yeah, uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Check out peanuts, you know. Check out uh, Snoopy. That little Snoop- dance, Snoopy Christmas. Do they do that little dance, or is that the Halloween one? I no, guess they always that's, do that's the, the dance. dance. Yeah, and that little Christmas tree. Yep. See, yeah, I think things stand out. Things stand out too. Now, are you one of these purists who you can't decorate and listen to Christmas songs oh, beforehand? No, no. What about I, the smells? In moderation. What about the smells? What about cinnamon candle or whatever? Oh, I mean, I, I, I would think, like, you know, if you can, 
I, I call it gradated solemnity. So like you should be, you should start small and end big. Okay. So the first part of Advent should just be, we put out an Advent wreath, you know, we're, we're kind of awakening to it, but then slowly we're building up. Maybe you don't turn on Caleb until like week two, okay. you know, maybe you don't watch Elf until week three. Maybe you don't, you know, start, you know, drinking candy cane lane until, you know, week four, but like there should be anticipation coming. And then it's the, yeah. And then it's Christmas for eight days, like big 12, 12 days, sorry. 12 days. I mean, the octave is eight days, but, you know, it's yeah, yeah, 12 days right, of Christmas. 12 days. Which, by the way... Um, okay, I, here, so here comes the time. Here's the time. We've been excited, man. We've been very excited. I've been very excited. in the lap of the recipient here. The birthday, the, the Christmas boy. Right. The Advent boy for Gaudete Sunday. That's right. To rejoice. Is it Gaudete or Latari? Is there a letter in here? Uh, I haven't seen anything. Can't see real well. There's something. Well, hold on. So um, here's the backstory. Um, for those of you who don't know, I, I cheer for uh, the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. And um, uh, I have said that I want to get a. Uh, I want to get an opportunity to say daily mass for Coach Saban, who's a good Catholic, and eat an oatmeal cream pie with him. And so I made all these claims, and somebody got in touch with somebody at the organization, and they sent me a little box. This is the box. So I haven't even... I don't see a letter, but there might be one hidden yes. in there. Because there's a lot of cool stuff. So I've got... Pom-pom. I've got some Alabama gear. Um, oh, sick. Jalen Waddle. Yep. Uh, program. Program. This is going right next to the toilet. Oh, man. I can't wait. Yep. Waddle. Sorry. See, I don't know this team, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you. So, man. oh my you gosh. Are giddy. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what all this is. So, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and uh, open all this afterwards, but uh, we want to thank. The, I haven't seen the letter yet, um, but I wanted to open it on air. Um, and um, some of this stuff is going to go over to. Um, it's going to go over to. Uh, Skip and Trish Galley's house nice. uh, the next time I go over there. So uh, the media guide so I can recognize all the players. Oh, dang. They roll tide? They roll tide. The galleys. Oh, sick. Heck, yeah. Oh, Dude, yeah. I got my, I got my glass. Got so anyways, I, it, cups, as soon as I find a letter programs. from the person. He's digging through the whole box. There's a big box. What? Here. Oh heck yeah! What about that white white envelope there that you moved? Where? It's at your um, elbow now. No, elbow? You, you already put it with the programs. This? I don't know what that would be. Yeah. Um. Well. Or it could be a photo. Oh it, yeah, it's an envelope. Here we go. Uh, dun, dun, dun. I don't know the fight song either because I got <laughs> it. Not a Bama Are guy. you freaking serious? <laughs> oh, right oh, there. there. It is. Right there. There it is. He's got it signed. From Nick Coach Nick Saban. Oh, man. I even, I'm afraid to touch it. Oh, Dad! to Father Goble. Roll Tide. Sick, dude. Uh, boy, man. I'm happy for you. Oh, man. Look at that. Yeah, a true fan. Whoever, whoever uh, reached out, we know who reached out. Um, 
somebody somebody knew somebody in that in that organization, but I don't want to like paint, there he is the man. I don't want to paint the picture. He, he wrote that dude to you. Freaking did it. That's right. Oh my gosh, dude. Uh, I don't want to say who did it because then they're going to be like, hey, can you get me stuff? Wrap it up, ladies. All right. Uh, I'm just going to say to Katie. Father John. Katie knows what she did. Father John's Katie house. knows what she did. Thank you, Katie. This is freaking awesome. What? Yep. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Coach. Sand. That is amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This guy, this is. Father John got like uh, candles. Early. He got some candles. I got some roll tad gear. So um, I would like to point out that Father Nathan thought that Nick Saban sent him a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle. I did not. And I did not think that. To which I said, "I'm waiting for Phil Jackson to send me a Peloton this Christmas." You wish, but he also said, "Oh, I bet he, I bet he sent you Julio Jones jockstrap, signed jockstrap." And I go, "You literally had to look up." Alabama, famous Alabama <laughs> football players. And he goes, I yes, totally I did. did. I totally had to Google uh, who are the best oh Alabama football players. Uh, but I, in a very serious note, folks, um, you know, this is a serious podcast. It's a professional organization. And I just ask that when you send bourbon to us, do not send it to Father Nathan Listen. Goble, who we call El Duce. Um, I mean, Mussolini. as of right. Please, because he is not going to share the pappy and... This is this it is was, a source of marital strife. It's not okay? Pappy, you said it's not Pappy Rip Van, Van Winkle. Yeah, it's, it's Rip Van it's Winkle. It's, it's very good stuff. Yeah. But the box was addressed to Father Nathan Goble, Saint Joan of Arc Catholic Parish. Yeah, didn't say anything about so just, the podcast. Just in general, don't do so that. Just an you FYI, you can do that with other stuff. You know, glitter bombs and unicorns and stuff. That's fine. <laughs> Send it to Goble. Oh, I got two but of not them. bourbon. Okay. Father Daniel's going. I am having a blast, folks. Um, Just so you know, Bama plays Florida this week. If Bama wins, they are the overall, like, it doesn't even matter, like, when Bama wins, that they they are going to take down the number one spot. They might actually play uh, Notre Dame in the playoff. That would be exciting. It would be amazing. That would be exciting. It hasn't happened since... um, Oh gosh, when was that? 2003 or something like that. Um, so, anyways, I'm very grateful, um, Coach Saban. At some point, the oatmeal cream pie is in your future, and quite a good homily that I will probably be terrified to give. So, thank you all. Um, if you have a favorite, you know, thing, you should probably mention it now because dreams do come true. <laughs> I did not anticipate this. You know what? Rejoice with those who rejoice. I'm just happy for you, brother. <laughs> this is a good moment. Yep. Um, I, have, uh, I have given certain things to my brother to put in his office because I'm like, you know, he'll enjoy it, you know, sign baseballs and whatever. But when, when Coach Saban, like, signs something for you, uh, he, yeah, this was for you. It's for, yeah, I just have to, I got to keep it, you know. You so. motivate him. You inspire him, my friend. Okay, folks. Uh, this is Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all. And uh, we Y'all have a great Advent and a wonderful Christmas. That's right. Roll Tad. See ya. Blessings.